Insomniacs Anonymous presents the creepiest true stories collected from the darkest corners of the web. Listener discretion is advised. The Baby Monitor When our firstborn arrived in the winter of 2008, we went baby crazy and bought every new baby item and accessory you could imagine. Cot, changing station, nappy bin, car seat, pram, jolly jumper, bathing seat, you name it, we had it. But at the centre of this story is a very expensive baby monitor. This was not your mum's baby monitor that basically functioned as a one-way radio. This was the highest of high tech at the time. It included two-way sound, video that you could access by an app on your phone, and even a breathing monitor. We'd been at home with our gorgeous newborn baby for around eight weeks when we started to have issues with the baby monitor. First, every couple of nights, we started hearing a very low static, crackling kind of noise coming through the monitor. I didn't make much of it at the time. I just assumed, maybe, there was some kind of interference coming through. It wasn't a big deal, and I just turned the volume down to where I could no longer hear it. About a week or so goes by, And one night I swear I hear very quiet whispering over the monitor. At this stage our baby is obviously not talking, only screaming or crying when very hungry or in need of a change. I immediately sat straight up in bed and check on the video feed. Our baby is awake, eyes wide open, looking straight up at the ceiling, laying still as a board. This looked a bit unsettling on the video, and the whispering that I'd woken up to already had shaken me up. I jumped out of bed and looked into the baby's room. Baby was back asleep, so I too went back to sleep. I didn't wake up my partner or mention anything to them the next day. In the morning, it all seemed a bit silly. Nothing else really notable happened again until one night around six months later. That's when I woke up to my now nine-month-old crying hysterically, and then... I hear a voice on the monitor, a whispering, yet clearly angry, male voice. I thought I caught it saying, Shut the hell up, you little brat, or I'll strangle you. I immediately elbowed my partner awake as I checked on the video feed. Go check the baby, I think there's someone in the house, I frantically whispered to my partner. At the same time I was fumbling with my phone to open the app and check the video feed. On the video feed, I see my child holding onto the sides of his crib, eyes wide open like I'd never seen before, crying hysterically, heart rate going through the roof. I see my partner enter the room, and my baby slowly turn in their direction. My partner picks up our baby and brings him into our room, where it took some time to console them. The next morning I disconnected the monitor, took it out of the room, and put it back in its original packaging. It wasn't until much later that I learned that people were hacking baby monitors and could view and even talk to your baby through the monitor. I felt at once relief, but was also disgusted in the invasion of privacy that we'd likely been victim to. The Campsite Creep This just happened last year. Every six months or so, I would take my two young boys camping. Each time we tried to go to a different campground. This one occasion, we went pretty far up north to a very remote campsite. 
there was only one or two other groups camping there the day we arrived. But there was also one site adjacent to ours, maybe 50 feet away, which just seemed to have a car parked in the camping spot. It was unusual just to have a car in a camping spot, but there was a housing crisis at the time, and some people had been forced to sleep in their cars. I tried to get a look inside the car, but I was unable to without making it obvious. I couldn't see anyone in the car at the time. It was getting close to sunset, and I still had to pitch both tents, one for me and one my boys shared, as well as cook dinner for us all. While I was cooking dinner, I heard the car from earlier start and drive out of the campsite. I still didn't get a look at the driver. After dinner, we made s'mores by the campfire, and the boys went to bed around 8pm. I stayed up till maybe 10 or 11pm, sipping on a couple of beers and listening to music by the campfire. Sometime during the night, I had to get up to pee. Once out of my tent, I had pretty good visibility from the moonlight. I went over to the bush in the corner of the campsite and relieved myself. As I was walking back to my tent, I noticed the car has returned, is parked with the front of the car facing our campsite, and I can actually see the driver's face slightly illuminated, I assume, by their phone. I had no reason to be concerned, other than their somewhat unusual behaviour of staying in a car at a campsite and being awake at probably around 1 or 2am. Regardless, I head back to my tent and soon fall back asleep. The next morning, we're up early with the sunrise. I'm starting to prepare breakfast for the boys and coffee for myself when I notice the car is gone again. The boys are just playing around the campsite. I call them over for breakfast. That's when my younger says, Dad, why did you open the tent last night? I replied, What are you talking about? He said, I heard you open it. You woke me up, but then you just walked away. You didn't even close the tent again for me. I was immediately shocked at hearing this, but I didn't want them to notice. I said, sorry, I was just checking in on you and I must have forgotten to close the door. I later pulled my oldest aside and asked if he knew anything about it. He said it wasn't him and he didn't notice anything. It was then I decided that one night was enough for this trip. When we got home later that day, I reported what happened to the department responsible for the campsite. Three months later, there's a huge story on the local news. A child has disappeared from the same campsite. Thankfully, days later, a little girl was saved. She was actually found in a local creep's house when the neighbours reported seeing him with a little girl, knowing full well what a creep he was. It was actually reported on the news that he had a room full of dolls that he would dress and play with. Now, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if he left us alone when he realised my kids were both boys. Perhaps he was looking for a girl to abduct. I called the police and told them what happened to us, thinking maybe the info would be of use to them, but they never followed up. I believe the guy pleaded guilty to all charges he was facing, the details of which I won't go into, but you can imagine. This still makes my skin crawl when I think about it. A dream of the departing. I had a family member who was diagnosed with glioblastoma, a devastating and mostly incurable form of brain cancer. He had come to terms with the outcome quite early and was making arrangements to catch up with all of our very large extended family. 
This was not a simple task, as we were spread across the country. I specifically lived on the entire opposite side of the country. Regardless, he planned to visit and we'd go to a football game together, like we had before many years earlier. However, as the months passed and his surgeries mounted, his overall health and mobility decreased. I knew in my heart that our final meeting was unlikely. Six months later, I had a very, very vivid dream where this particular family member called me on the phone and profusely apologised that he was unable to come over and go to the game. I said of course I understood and all was fine. Then we said our goodbyes and that's when I awoke. I'd not been awake for long when my mother informed me, unfortunately, during the night, he had passed away. I don't know whether there is some kind of shared consciousness or some sort of ability to communicate telepathically before or even after one ceases to live on our planet. But I will always treasure this final farewell. Street Library Stalker I was a prolific reader who would swap books at our local street library every couple of weeks. If you're unfamiliar with the concept of a street library, they're basically little boxes near parks or bus stations filled with books donated by the local community. You can take whichever book you like and either return it after reading or replace it with another. Unfortunately for me, a creep started leaving me book recommendations by putting a sticky note on a book with my name on it. In the books, they would highlight certain parts of the text and even leave notes in the margins. I only took books he left for me twice. That was creepy enough. I didn't want to encourage them if I continued to play their twisted game. The first book they left me was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The highlighted passages included Everyone has secrets. It's just a matter of finding out what they are. In the margins next to this they wrote I know your dirty secrets. The next quote was Keep in mind that I'm crazy, won't you? In the margins was written This part is important. It will be on the pop quiz. And the last part of text that was highlighted was What she had already realised was that love was that moment when your heart was about to burst. In the margins they wrote, Do you believe in love at first sight? The next book they left me was Fifty Shades of Grey. Being an avid reader, I'd already read it, but my curiosity got the better of me as to what they'd highlighted and written. The highlighted text from Fifty Shades included, I want you sore every time you move tomorrow. I want you to be reminded that I've been here. Only me. You are mine. And... There's a very fine line between pleasure and pain. They are two sides of the same coin, one not existing without the other. And finally, This is a man in need. His fear is naked and obvious, but he's lost somewhere in his darkness. There was no notes in the margin in this particular book, but these lines were creepy enough. At the beginning I felt like I was part of my own mystery, but very soon it felt like it was turning into a true crime I wanted no part of. I still don't know how they knew my name, unless it was someone I knew messing with me, or perhaps somebody stalking me. However, I never returned to that street library. Apartment Window Messenger This occurred in the late 90s, before everybody had phones and you could basically find or message anyone you wanted online. The internet existed, of course, 
but it was much more primitive. I was a teenage male at the time. This is kind of central to the story. I lived in an apartment complex with my family. My bedroom was on the inner side of the complex, and my bedroom window overlooked the garden and communal courtyard area in the centre separating the apartments, and also looked straight into the apartment directly adjacent ours. One day during the summer break, I saw a moving truck and a new family moving into the apartment across from ours. It appeared to be a single mum with two daughters. One of the two daughters was quite young, maybe three or four years old, and was being led by the hand by the older sister, who, I guess to be around my age. Believe it or not, our eyes actually met, and although I was somewhat embarrassed at being caught staring, I have to admit, I was taken with her from that very moment. The entire family had a somewhat unrefined appearance. Their clothing screamed that they'd just moved from somewhere more rural. I don't mean this in a disparaging way. For the teenage girl, it actually lent even more appeal, because local kids were obsessed with the latest trends and fashions, and this girl came across more natural and down-to-earth. From that day forward, it became my mission to talk to this girl and ask her on a date. However, this proved much more difficult than I planned. For one, it seemed like they never left their apartment. There was a pretty nice open area in the centre of the apartments where some kids played, but I never saw them there. I had a lot of time on my hands. I was on school holidays, and all I really did was listen to music and read Stephen King books, and also keep an eye on the window for this new neighbour. The only time I saw the teenage girl leave the apartment was with her mum and sister, straight to their car. I started to think that perhaps their mum was very strict and controlling, or maybe they were in hiding. That was until the first time I noticed the girl leave the apartment by herself. She walked to the mailbox, checked it, and walked straight back to her apartment. But during the walk, I noticed her quickly look up to my window. We'd caught each other's gaze again, and there was a quick smile exchanged. This caused my heart to race, and made me double my efforts. This became our pattern. Every day at the same time, she would check the mail. I was paranoid about straight up meeting her down at the mailbox, because it could be seen from her apartment, and I didn't want her to get in trouble from her mother. So, I hatched an ingenious plan. I would write a message on a piece of paper, and display it from my window as she went to the mailbox. My first message said simply, Hi. I know she saw it as she walked by and looked over. I kept an eye on the window directly across from mine. I knew these apartments were mirror images of each other, and it made sense that she would be in the same room I was in, because the other bedroom was a master with an ensuite, which a parent would obviously prefer. So I assumed her and her sister shared the bedroom that mirrored mine. That was confirmed five minutes later, when I received a reply message in the window, albeit with the blinds closed and the sign poking in front of it. It read, Hi. Fast and furiously, I got to writing my next message. My name's Dan, what's yours? Her reply, Caroline. Almost as soon as I saw the sign, I saw it ripped down and away from the window. I assumed her mum was approaching. That day felt like a triumph. I now knew her name and had a way to communicate with her. Next stop, set up a meeting. The next day I waited till she checked the mail. When she walked back, I quickly flashed up a sign. Nothing was written on it, but she gave a quick nod to indicate that she understood. I wait a few minutes, then write my message. Want to hang out? 
Her reply, posted in front of the closed blinds, was a pretty quick yes. I write, can you come to the cinemas this Friday? Her reply, I don't know, I'll ask. The next day comes around, but Caroline does not make her usual walk to the mailbox. I wait about an hour, but can't contain myself, so write a new message and hold it to the window. Caroline? Not long later I got a reply. Yes? Relieved, I quickly write my next message. Can you meet up? I see a reply coming up through the blinds. It looks like a positive response. I think it looked like a yes. But as soon as it starts coming up, I notice the commotion. The blinds are scattered and the message falls askew. What I see next makes my stomach and heart drop. It's the youngest child pushing through the blinds. It looks like she'd lost her balance or had been trying to struggle out of her mother's grip. Because it's the mother I now see, exposed by the askew blinds, holding the now upside down sign and struggling to get herself and the child out of sight back behind the blinds. For a split second before the blinds close, I notice Caroline sitting on the bed, slumping with her head in her hands. Well, that's it for this episode. I look forward to your company next time.